0: As always, it's so good to be with you. And how are we doing this morning? Good. Doing good? I'll tell you what, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? I love it. Eight, hey, nine weeks until spring, first day of spring. Now, why did I check into that? Well, yesterday when I was at Walmart, they got their seed packets out. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's, that's a good sign. And uh, see, now, I'm here at eight o'clock mass too, and that's, you know, that's when the early birds get here. Usually it's dark, but you know what? It's getting lighter now. Actually, uh, we gain two minutes a day of sunlight every day now. So uh, it's great to be here in the morning and to watch the sunrise and then to see it, see it in a wonderful way. So springs are coming, get ready. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful uh, story we have today. Last week, we, looked, we were still looking into the birth of Jesus as we saw the three kings who arrived at the, at the scene where Jesus was and made, pray, paid homage and worshipped him and all of those good things. And it's great um, because there was a message there. The message is that salvation is for everybody. Salvation is for everybody. Salvation is a choice. You choose and you decide. It's not limited to one people or anything like that, but it's your personal choice. Now, 30 years between last week and today, 30 years have passed. We don't hear much about Jesus. We are very, actually hear extremely little about Jesus in those uh, 30 years. There's a lot of speculation about what took place, but we don't have any historical type of accuracy or fact kind of thing but what he's doing is he's kicking off his public ministry he's kicking off his public ministry and uh, of course naturally the first place to do that is at the baptism to uh, get connected with the one who's telling everybody that the messiah is coming you know who that is that's john isn't it that's who we're That's who were uh, John the Baptist. That's who we are looking at today and what John had to say about Jesus. See, John had a mission. He had a very important mission, and that was to proclaim the coming of Jesus, uh, the Messiah. See, Messiah was on the property now, so to speak. He was living, breathing, walking, eating on the earth, and so imminent. Christ's coming was imminent. And so now it's time to proclaim that the Messiah is near. Now, something that really interests me about John and Jesus you know, they knew each other. Uh, Actually, they were cousins. If you look in the the gospel readings, what you find is that Mary visits Elizabeth. Both of them are pregnant. Who are they pregnant with? Jesus and John. Uh, They were cousins, Mary and Elizabeth were cousins. So uh, surely John had had many opportunities to talk with Jesus as he grew up and stuff like that. But they make a very interesting uh, type of situation because they are connected relationally. John was six months older than Jesus. We know that, scriptures teach us that. But then we see today that Jesus existed before John. Now how do you make sense out of that? How can you be six months younger and still be uh, older than that one. Well, it's because Jesus is the Son of God. That's how. And Jesus always existed. See, Jesus is older than dirt. You know, he really is. He's always been here. Jesus always has, always will be. He was with the Father. And that's what John the Apostle affirmed in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God, the Word was with God. See, so in that sense, yeah, they, you know, Jesus was definitely older than John. Much, much older. But uh, John, his message was prepare the way. Prepare the way because the coming is imminent. Prepare the way. And that's what he was doing. God sent him to do that. He was the great precursor. That's the way I like to think of him. He was the great precursor to the coming of Jesus. And not only was he preaching preparation but he was also baptizing in preparation what for the cleansing of sins preparation now we do that as Catholics don't we yeah we do uh there's a couple times a year where we're very um very focused on that one is advent the second is lent why because Jesus is coming okay same deal same deal Prepare, prepare yourself. Jesus is coming in a very special and significant way. So that's something that's um, always been around. But uh, we'll, I want us to move beyond that today to what John affirms. John's going to give us two of the greatest truths in the world. You want to know truths? People are always say, what's truth? Here are two of the greatest truths in the world. Live by them, and you'll find life that is just overflowing. That's, that's what you'll do. What is the first truth? Well, she, John sees Jesus coming from a distance. Now, the Holy Spirit had already told John that when the Messiah shows up on the scene, you're going to, you're going to know it because I'm going to tell you this is him. This is the one. There, there won't be any doubt about it. And that's exactly what happened. Here he sees Jesus coming. What does he say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Oh my God. The longing of thousands of years fulfilled in his statement. When do we pray that prayer? When do we say that? We say it at every Mass, don't we? I want you to think about that today. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There he is. Okay? The real presence of Jesus. And uh, John, John knew it. See, Jesus is God's instrument of reconciliation for us. Our relationship, you go all the way back to the beginning of time, our relationship has been fractured. It's been ruptured, you might You might call it in a sense like that. And what God is doing is he's reconciling us to himself. Why? Because he loves you. (laughs) You know, it's that simple. God loves you. He just loves you. He loves you so much. And he wants to reconcile himself. He wants to restore things. And that's why when you look in the garden, you find this peace and harmony that exists between God and And Adam and Eve. And then when you go to heaven, what do you find? You find this peace and harmony that exists between all his people. It's just the in-between time that's hard, isn't it? Well, what's going on? God's reconciling us. He's restoring us because his plan has, always will be, harmony and unity with his creation. And so he has to make the way for that. If you go back and you look into the Old Testament, the sacrificial system, there was a way that that was done, but it was what's called temporary way. God says, I'm going to make the way. I'm going to make a permanent way where you don't have to come back every so often and offer this sacrifice of a a pigeon or a a dove or a sheep or a cow. You don't have to do that. I'm going to give you the perfect sacrifice once and for all who is that Jesus Christ that's exactly right behold the lamb of God see Jesus is God's lamb reconciling the world that's Jesus that's the lamb of God and what's mind boggling about it is that's God Jesus is God in the flesh. God hanging on the cross for your sins and mine, in order to restore and to renew us to him. That's mind boggling. And now we have been reconciled to God through him. When we choose intentionally to follow Christ and to live for him, our sins are forgiven, and we are restored and renewed in our ability to walk with him. That's powerful, isn't it? That's one of the greatest statements. of That's the great, one of the greatest truths of everything. But then he says something else. He says, I will baptize you with water. He's going to baptize you with spirit. Now, if you, if you go into this, this is a very significant event. It's listed in all four of the Gospels. You'll find in one it says, and he will, he will baptize you with spirit
1: and fire.
0: Okay? Now, we don't hear the word fire in this one today, but it's in some of the, some of the other accounts. The spirit. Spirit is so significant. Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is so important in our lives. And now it becomes even more important. Why? Because you've been restored to God. And now that you're restored to God, the Spirit can come in. Think about that. The Holy Spirit can come within you now because you have been restored to God. That's powerful. See, that's God living on the inside kind of thing. And I love the illustration of spirit. Spirit is a Greek word that means pneuma. You ever heard of that? Now, if you're an engineer, you know what that is. Pneumatics. You ever heard of pneumatics? Yeah, I see something. Okay, that's air. That's air. That's, it's air. It's the same Greek word. But it's talking about air is what it is. And the, the spirit, like God, God's spirit, Holy Spirit kind of thing. And what God does He breathes that spirit into us. Now, I love this. Go back to the creation story. God creates man. Think of man being created by God, laying down on the ground, but not moving, not alive. What does God do? What does he say he does? He bends over and he does this. What is that? The breath of God. And what happens? He breathes soul. He gives us a soul. And and animals... <laughs> Just like that. See, body and soul make a person. And the spirit of God lives within him now. The spirit is what gives him life, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think one of the coolest times... I mean, you know, we have what's called the Chrism Mass during Holy Week. I love that. One of the greatest moments of the Chrism Mass where I'm all eyes is when the oils are brought up, if you've ever been to the Chrism Mass. And then there's three oils, and then there's a one One of the three is very powerful oil. You know which one it is? It's called the oil of Chrism. And I like what the bishop does, see? He they bring up this huge jar of olive oil, then he has this jar, a little jar of perfumes. He pours into the olive oil, then he takes a spoon and he stirs it up. It's one of the best smelling stuff in the world. It really is. It, it smells spe- it out of this world. But then what does he do? You ever notice what he does? breathes on it. Well, what's he doing? It's the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit coming down, feeling that chrism because it's that chrism that'll be used in baptism, ordinations, confirmation. It's the Holy Spirit. you see that? And then the next example of it, and I think one of the most powerful examples of it, if we think of what happens today, after, only after Jesus did the work on the cross does this happen. It doesn't happen before then. It has to happen afterwards because we're not restored until then. But once we are restored, what does Jesus do? Well, it says he goes into the house where they're crouched. They're scared half to death because people want to kill him. They wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted to kill his disciples. That's the way he did it. And they're in there, and Jesus appears to them. What does he do? And what does he say? Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them. Woo! I love that. Uh, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them. See, the, the Spirit of God can come in you now because you've been restored and renewed to God. That's why salvation in a person, Jesus, is so important. It's not in a good work. He brings on them, and they had come alive. Now, you know, the thing that really uh, I think about when I think about that, we are empowered. You're empowered, you know. And then what about that word fire? What does fire mean? Well, as I thought about that, I thought about a guy named Blaise Pascal. You ever heard of him? He lived around 1650. He was a mathematician, a scientist, an apologist. He writes, uh, you know, he loved God. There's no doubt about it. And uh, when he died, you know, they take your effects kind of thing. And they were going through his jacket. And they noticed, well, something's been sewn in his jacket. And they open up the patch, and there's a prayer in there. It's a story about what happened to him one night, uh, November 23rd, 1654, uh, between 1030 and 1230 at night. It was a life-changing experience, so much that he sold it in there. He always carried it over his heart, wasn't it? Well, what was it? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to read it to you. Now I don't want you to because I don't want to be misquoted, I want you to listen very intently. Don't say, well Father Dave said this, no, I want you to listen. What did he say? Listen. Fire. That's it. The Holy Spirit set him on. Fire. <laughs> you ever been on fire? Yeah, I have. <laughs> Literally. When I was a kid, you know, I was out playing firecrackers. And I noticed I was on fire. <laughs> I had got myself on fire. Well, you know what I did? I said, well, when I get home, I'll do something about it. No! Man, I was on fire. <laughs> I was running to put that out. I didn't want to burn up. Isn't that the way it is with somebody that's on fire? They're not dead. They're not dormant. You know, I see so many Christians walking around today that look dead. I don't understand that. What is the fire that's within each one of you? It's the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. That's the fire that's within you, and you better run, because you're on fire. Now, the thing that really uh, affirms this for me is what I see in the lives of the apostles. Study it, it's miraculous. If you look at the apostles, before they received the Holy Spirit, you see a bunch of scared men and women. After the Holy Spirit, they're standing before the Sanhedrin and they're professing Jesus and they're thanking and praising God because they have the privilege to suffer for Jesus. But it's the same people. What is it? What's different? The fire. That's what's different. See, the Holy Spirit fills you. Now you're restored to God. And as you restore it, now the power Power flows through your veins, your spiritual veins, all through you. That's the power of God. And you experience love, joy, peace, patience, happiness, and about 200 other things. That's why we can walk around with a smile on our face today because the Spirit lives within us. Well, that's your life. That's your calling. What we have to do is acknowledge it, receive it, because we sure as heck can't earn it, and we have to live it. God bless you.